Hi, and welcome to Breaking Free Podcast, a body-mind-spirit approach to mental health. I'm your host, Summer Seitz, and I'm excited to be back. Looks like it's been a little over almost two months since I have been on here uh, recording a podcast, as well as it's been a long time since I've recorded my own podcast. I've really had a beautiful journey of interviewing others and kind of bringing in different people who have encouraged my journey. And I, this podcast is definitely me sharing from a professional standpoint, a holistic counseling standpoint, the process of healing trauma. Um, but I get to share my little tea traumas with you or my growth work um, because somebody's got to be vulnerable and authentic to sometimes get that ball rolling. And for me, that's that was me. <laughs> when Breaking Free Podcast was formed, God was like, hey, you're going to share your experience of doing, living the healing art and teach it to others. So if there's something that speaks to you, we welcome. This is the podcast for you. Uh, Breaking Free Podcast, a body, mind, spirit approach to mental health. And this is episode 46. And today we're going to talk about a favorite song of mine, Defying Gravity, from the musical Wicked. If you're not familiar with the musical Wicked, it is a story of two witches in training, um, and they live in Oz. And it's actually a follow-up or the backstory, shall we say, to The Wizard of Oz. So if you've seen The Wizard of Oz, um, you know, you have the Wicked Witch of the West and the Good Witch Glinda and... There's this external story of this good, angelic um, Glinda, right, who's kind of the, the savior figure of Oz, and she guides Dorothy down her path. But I really love Wicked because it just goes to show that sometimes we, if we had a wider picture or a whole picture, we might have a different perspective. And I love how the creator of Wicked takes us further into the story of how the Wicked Witch of the East became considered wicked, right? And really, she's just a figure that took the path less traveled. And what do I mean by the path less traveled? I actually looked it up because it comes from one of my favorite poems by Robert Frost, but that's often the choices that we make in life that are unconventional or uncertain, stepping into the unknown, if you will, or acting independently, freeing themselves from conformity of others, those who choose to take the road are often less traveled. You know, why is that, right? Why do so many of us in life choose conformity, right? We choose the the conformity to the path that's maybe been laid out before us by our family systems, religious systems, societal systems, right? There are all these systems. And I think that's partly because we are wired to be in connection, right? And our need for safety within a tribe is deeply embedded in our nervous system, um, we wouldn't have survived anciently, right, if we didn't have the the tribe uh, to support us. And so I think in our nervous system, we're deeply wired to not lose that external safety. I'm going to talk a little bit about the science of that as we move on, but let's get back to the story for a minute of why defying gravity today. And I'll see if I can make this analogy for you. I'm just going to pull up the little lyrics here for a minute. So... I personally love the lyrics. I was at the gym and I was just, you know, defining, you know, just minding my own business. Oftentimes downloads for podcasts come to me in the oddest of places. And this time it came while I was lifting weights. I try to remain open to God universe to just be a medium of, of learning and wisdom, both for myself, if it's just for myself or if God seeks to use me for others then I'm open to sharing that message. And today it came, that day it came a few days ago, 
um, as both a message for me and also for others. So I hope that this is something that will reach someone specifically and you'll know who you are uh, because the message was just kind of coming through me today. But Alphaba is the Glinda. She's kind of the considered, um, the one that fits in. And she's played by Kristen Chenoa, and she's a wonderful singer and actress, if you know her. Um, and then we have, um, I'm sorry, yeah, we have Glenda, Glinda, and then we have Alphaba, who was played by India Menzel, who I personally love. I think she's a wonderful singer as well. And in the original Wicked, these actors, uh, actresses uh, and singers play uh, these roles. And so I, I, I highly recommend you go listen to it. But the whole story between these two in this particular song is, Alpha says, why couldn't you have just stayed calm for once instead of flying off the handle? I hope you're happy. So Alphaba just is, is speaking here. I hope you're happy too. So they're wishing each other well, right? They're each of them taking a different perspective. They're each of them coming from a different place. And I think that that's all of us, right? Some of us take a path that for another person would not be their path, would not bring them joy. And so we stand from our perspectives and we judge and say, well, because your path looks different than mine, it's wrong. The mind likes familiarity. We like the familiarity. We like to tell stories in our brain that confirm our bias, confirm our truth. And actually, that is something that the mind continually does is narrate our environment in order to make sure that whatever our story is stays our story. Unless we make a choice, and we'll talk about that, to open our minds up to seeing things differently. And sometimes that's not something that we just make a choice. Sometimes life forces us into that choice, right? Like life just keeps showing us soul lessons. Like I talked about in my last podcast that something just isn't working now. The balance that we saw before or the the connection and safety that we previously found within a way of being is no longer working. And that's really what you see having Alphaba. She really tried, right? She tried to fit in with an Oz. She tried to be a good little witch <laughs> and a good little uh, wizard among, amongst, uh, amongst the community and the teachings. But she saw some things that were really disturbing that were happening to her fellow, her professor. Um, she saw that people who were different or spoke out against the system were being mistreated. And she did not agree with that. And it... It got to a point where she says this, something has changed within me. Something is not the same. I'm through with playing by the rules of someone else's game. Too late for second guessing, too late to go back to sleep. It's time to trust my instincts. Close my eyes and leap. So I'm in the gym and I'm hearing these lyrics and just something opened up in my heart and my mind and just said, Summer, you absolutely relate to this story. And I do. It's time to try to find gravity. I, th I think I think I'll try to find gravity and you can't pull me down. So here we have the title Defying Gravity for today's podcast. Well, what would gravity be in this case for Alphaba or Elfie as she's often called? It's it's the system, right? She feels the gravity of the the dogma or the ways of being within the system. She feels the gravity of uh, the mindset of needing to fit in, play small, keep quiet. And I'm assuming that within the sound of my voice there are some of you that have also also felt that type of gravity. Gravity can come from without. It also can come from within. Some of us have the gravity of internalized shame, of the internal voice that constantly tells you you're not enough, that you're not safe. Um, it's not okay to show up as yourself. 
Um, and so that gravity can be that internal voice or that external voice, either one, that keeps us from standing on our own unique path. So she says this, I'm through accepting limits because somebody else says so. Some things I cannot change, but I'll try. But if I, but till I try, I'll never know. Too long I've been afraid of losing love. I guess I've lost. Well, if that's love, it comes at much too high of a cost. Again, vulnerability and authenticity have been the theme of this podcast. <laughs> so here I am. It's time for me to share a bit of my story. I have definitely been through this journey, especially in the last year or so, um, of recognizing areas and ways in which my external living wasn't matching my internal living and really hearing the voice of the divine of God and understanding who I am and what my gifts and talents are and how I choose to show up, what feels truthful and ethical and loving to me and seeking to match that in how I show up in the world. Now, I understand that my unique path is going to look different than others. And I want to say that because here we have, and that's why I loved about this particular scene with Glinda and Elphaba or Elfie, is that they're different people, right? They have different paths. And I think they're acknowledging that, right? I hope you're happy. And they really do wish each other well. Glinda chooses and, and she thrives within the system. It really supports her. It, it really is a support or a structure that really uh, celebrates who she is and if she is able to thrive within Oz and we can have all kind of what is your Oz right whereas for Elfie she doesn't thrive it doesn't support who she is it doesn't help her stand up in who she is she has gifts and talents that are not welcomed um, through the system at least not in the way culturally that she would like to express them and I think for me personally, I have felt that. I have felt like uh, some of you know that I'm a quantum energy practitioner. And I remember when I first started learning about the energy centers of the body or energy medicine, it wasn't something that was celebrated, not within the systems of my friends or family, not within religious systems that I was part of. There was a lot of fear around understanding this type of science, quantum physics. It's been very well validated and proven. Of course, we have energy centers, right? Of course, we have a, a energy field uh, that our body, we have a, a, very, a very strong energy field, the strongest energy field right around our heart. And these are things that are validated and, and understood in science, but because they weren't very well known, right, to the average person, as I started to dive into some of this understanding and how that body, mind, spirit approach to mental health really connected beyond just what people were familiar with in the mind and the body, but also in the energy fields, it was something that was at first not necessarily well received, right? So I felt that sense of rejection, right, or abandonment and, and maybe you know, pushback from people who it wasn't their familiar and perhaps their story inside was that's not safe or I cannot trust that. And again, that's their learning, not mine. I give that back to them in love, but God just kept saying, keep learning, right? And line upon line, I did. And line upon line, I watched the world change around me. I mean, this has been at least 10 years that I've been doing this study and I, I watched people wake up, uh, open their eyes, to things that they had not seen before. Consciousness expand, uh, women standing greater and greater in their power and understanding uh, their unity, their divinity with the opposite sex. I mean, there's just been a lot of growth that has happened 
exponentially so even in the last three to four to five years. And at first, as I saw myself, um, I saw people standing in paths that were so not well-traveled for me, right? I felt like I had to take a pitchfork and like, oh, that's kind of a fun ninja pitchfork. Uh, I actually didn't mean a pitchfork, but I meant like a, obviously I don't do a lot of chopping, but like a, a pick, you know, or like a uh, something that would chop through very dense forest, right? Whatever that looks like for you. And really cut my way through the forest, if you will, and try to see uh, the forest through the trees, right? I felt like I was all alone sometimes on my path. It was just me and God, and I felt really validated in, with God, but I was like, when will other people see and hear and validate or know me? And I think it was such an important journey for me to not have that personally, to not have someone say, it's okay that you listen to your heart. It's okay that you... um hear the voice for God that's within you. And that's valid. I needed to learn to live in my own sovereignty. I needed to learn that if God said it was so, that it was enough for me. Or my one of my favorite scriptures, sections in the scriptures, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, right? Trust in the Lord God and lean not unto thy own understanding, right? In all thy ways acknowledge him. In this case, that would mean be Christ and he will direct thy paths or something like that, very close. And so as I leaned into that principle of leaning away from the world in quotation marks or the ideas of men, people, thought systems, and leaned further and further into uh, my own unique journey, uh, it took me down new paths and it brought me to new knowledge. Um, I had to say to myself, I'm open to seeing things differently. And doing so opened me the capacity to see things differently. And we'll talk about why that is here at the end from the brain perspective. But back to our Alphaba and Glinda conversations. I love the part in the song that says unlimited. Together we're unlimited. Together we'll be the greatest team there's ever been. Glinda dreams the way we've planned them. If we work in tandem, there's no fight we cannot win. Just you and I defying gravity. With you and I defying gravity. The goal of these two was always unity and oneness. The goal of my heart is always unity and oneness. I really believe as we're one with, you name it, where we come together in love and respect uh, men and women in oneness, uh, family systems in oneness, people of different religious systems in oneness and recognizing that we all have gifts to give and gifts to share and that we don't, none of us have the totality of truth, right? That there's this big gathering of truth from many corners. Um, as we can come to these types of perspective, of, of a whole perspective, and maybe not put such a small box around our minds, we're able to f get to these concepts of unity and oneness. And that has been my journey of healing, is coming to see that everyone, everyone has something to teach me. And that humility truly is the catalyst to all learning. And that I have great joy when I step back and say, why am I at enmity or why do I have resistance to this person or thought pattern or situation and allow that resistance to show me something, right? What we resist persists. And as I step into that resistance and I learn from it, 
I move down that continuum from resistance to acceptance and my heart moves back towards peace. So these types of concepts, I think, are really playing out here in this beautiful conversation between uh, Elfie and Glinda. If you know the story goes on, they do end up going on their separate paths. I think there's some really beautiful lessons for the people in our lives who are going on unique paths right now here too. Uh, Glinda continues to fight for her friend and knows who she is and, and keeps in her heart an understanding of their oneness, their unity and purpose, even though they're kind of taking different paths to reach it. Um, but the people of Oz don't understand. Uh, they don't understand Elfie. And we know that she goes on to be vilified and otherfied as something to be feared because she's different, because she approaches things differently. I don't think that's a hard jump to see where that happens, right? There are people in your life who have made choices that you wouldn't make. And that's okay for you. I hope you're following your heart in the choices that you're making but can we have a little bit of respect and awe for people being willing to follow their heart, right, and make decisions? And even if those decisions, and I'm going to put large quotations around this, are quote-unquote wrote wrong, I don't necessarily see it that way, but we see them as wrong or right, black or white, perhaps that's just learning. One of the things I often say to my clients, because I truly believe this, is that when you get to a higher state of consciousness, there's no such thing as failure. There's just learning. When we have maybe our biggest, quote unquote, trip up or failure as we perceive it in our mind, those are often the greatest expansive moments. We are often growing internally even more than we're growing externally. So when we see somebody struggling within, there's a lot happening under the radar, right, that we cannot see. I was having a conversation with my daughter about this recently because uh, she was just saying, talking about growth, external and internal. And I, I mentioned to her a time that she can recall last year. I said, do you remember when I just spent, I did a lot of shadow work, which I also kind of put on some of my Instagram stories if you are, you follow me, but I often share some of those growth edges that I'm on. And I said, do you remember when I was kind of deeply kind of within and there was a little withdrawing? I said, I really could do less. Like there were days when I didn't feel like I could do a load of laundry or make a phone call that I needed to because there was so much going on inside of me. But I took the time to go within, to listen to my heart, to sort out what was there, to the release the patterns, thinking, energies, emotions that needed to be released and then move into new growth, right? To move into new patterns, uh, connect to higher emotions, uh, allow myself to evolve. And I, I told her now those things no longer bother me. Now those things are really in my rear view mirror, but that was a catalyst for great growth. And so sometimes we're growing within and that's okay. And sometimes we're doing a lot of growth work without, we're getting a lot done in quotation marks, and that's wonderful too. But the world tends to validate more what you can see, tangibly feel, and touch. Uh, performance is often more promoted, and yet we're here to learn and grow and become. And the majority of that is an inside job. Yeah. So they go on a journey, 
they go in different paths. What do we see happening here on the brain level? I'd like to describe some of this with you a little bit, just because I think maybe we don't understand why we have so much gravity in our lives. Each one of us has something called an autonomic nervous system. That would be like the hub of your nervous system or brain. The autonomic nervous system is connected to every organ in your body, and it is connected to all experience that you've ever had. It develops from a very young age. In fact, it develops pre-birth in utero uh, between mother and child. And it continues to develop, of course, as the child's born. And there is this, what they call co-regulation between mother and child. And so if you have what I call safe attunement, right? Your, your caregiver, your mother, your father were present, available, responsive. Research shows that they're, if they're that up to a third of the time, <laughs> thank goodness, right? Because I have three kids and I don't think I am this all the time, but that they generally develop a pretty strong autonomic nervous system. But this is the source of little T traumas and big T traumas. Some of you had parents that were checked out. Uh, they, per- they had not had the opportunity or didn't choose to take the opportunity to do their work. And so there is transgenerational trauma, and this is exactly how it gets passed along, at least on the mind level. So however they try to stay safe in the world, like if your mom freaks out every time a spider shows up, chances are you're going to freak out every time a spider shows up, right? Or if your family of origin says it's not safe or secure to do X, Y, and Z, whatever that is, well before you're old enough to have analytical thinking, you've adopted these types of thinking patterns into your brain. I wanted to use an example that came to me today when I was thinking about this podcast of one that I had that I no longer have, but this really ran my autonomic nervous system for a really long time. Uh, My mom used to have a phrase, you don't finish when you're tired, you finish when it's done. Now that's actually kind of an interesting phrase to have because what she was trying to do, I believe, I don't know, I haven't asked her about this, but is to teach me a strong work ethic. And I have tried to teach my kids a strong work ethic as well, that we can push through at times when we need to and get things done. That's a, that's a great skill. But what I did, if I take that on a black and white face value without any ability to be flexible, which is what happens to the younger children in our minds if they're still t- stuck in a childlike state, is that there is no flexibility. So let's say I'm a perfectionist, which hypothetically, not hypothetically in my case, I was <laughs> for a long time, especially in my like late teens to early 20s. If I cannot finish until things are done, and in my mind, if done is perfection, then how often was I ever able to take a rest? Pretty much never. I remember feeling guilty for needing to take naps didn't take much naps actually when my kids were small uh, because I had my kids in my early 20s. Um, Always feeling like I needed to produce something or perform and truly not feeling safe sitting down, you know, watching a television show or relaxing. And I was always kind of like in awe of people who could kind of playfully do that for what I thought looked like hours because I personally didn't feel comfortable not performing, doing, serving. Um, And yet that put my brain in a continual sympathetic state. 
All right, so now a little more science here. I don't want to get too sciencey on you. If those of you would like to learn more about this, please follow me at wholewomenlink.com or at Summer Sites because I will be teaching how to regulate your nervous system in the fall in my class, The Healing Art, uh, my seminar, and going through this process. So you can learn more about it, but just a little overview here. I was very sympathetic. That's that flight or fight state, right? So that put me in an inflammated body. Uh, some people who are in this state a lot, like you're driving down the street and just any like loud noise or sound just ah, like kind of sets you off. It was really easy for hair trigger responses to happen when my kids were young to kind of see my response be greater than the event and find myself getting really angry or frustrated with my littles when, quite frankly, it really wasn't warranted for what happened uh, because I felt out of control. Who can relate to this? And it wasn't until I started doing the work, really doing the work, that this was able to calm down. So there's the the autonomic nervous system is split into sympathetic or parasympathetic. And we really want to be parasympathetic. Uh, Well, I'll call it ventral parasympathetic. So we want to move into that rest or relax state. There are a lot of things that connect us there, things that you wouldn't imagine, like being in nature, being creative, breath, yoga, meditation, for some of you, writing, um, connecting, intimacy, right? All of these things turn on, can turn on if you feel safe in your mind, the parasympathetic. But the, the main idea is that we don't feel like we need to be scanning the environment to be safe, right? That has been internalized now. It's not coming from without, it's now coming from within. We've learned how to go in, be aware of our our mind states and respond to the environment versus react to it. And this is a skill. You can also be something called dorsal parasympathetic, which means you've gone now further than rest and relax. You're now numbed out, tuned out, shut down, and that's much further uh we can get pushed to the extreme on either end, really sympathetic or too parasympathetic into this tuned out, disassociated state. And really in trauma, you see both, right? We have the flight or fight state or the disassociated state. And either one of those states can get really difficult to get out of. Uh, One of the things you do in healing trauma is become aware of these states and aware of when you're passing from state to state. And as you bring it into awareness, you're able to then uh, make shifts in your mindset and heal. So back to my story, as I got older, I remember recognizing, and I I was a play therapist in my early years and doing play therapy with my kids and realizing that play was really difficult for me to do. Because play required me to set aside all the things I wanted to get done in my brain, all the ways that I propped up my ego and felt good enough or safe and say, no, I'm just going to be present in this moment and play with my kid. That's exactly what my brain needed to heal, however, right? That was the skill that had been lost in this, I've always got to be performing kind of state. So as I had to sit, and I say had to because that's how it felt, because it was unfamiliar in my brain with my children and do these play therapy sessions as I was practicing in graduate school for 30 to 40 minutes, I, I, I saw the bonding happen to my now 19-year-old son, but he was three at the time, 
how he would connect to me and bond. And I would have a beautiful connection state. He felt safe. I felt safe because I was just being present. And I was just following the rules of play therapy, really just being very attuned and responsive and following his lead. So I learned how to be in secure attachment through this model. And of course, it took me a long time to translate that model into other parts of my life, right? To like be attuned with my husband and be attuned when I wasn't in a very set dynamic, like a play therapy session with my kid. But I started to generalize these skills into my everyday life and seek to be playful and mindful and present. And thank goodness that mindfulness came into my life because I started to learn how to turn off my sympathetic nervous system, turn on my parasympathetic nervous system, and get into that relaxed, focused, and clear state. And this state is called flow. And what I love about flow, if I could describe it in my own words, is it's like it's like that divine surrender, right? That we see Elfie on, right? You're receiving from God whatever is your unique purpose for that day, for that moment, and you're just letting it flow through you. You're not having to overthink it. You're just receiving it and moving with it. And that's a much different state to be in than the mind constantly driving you around in all the ways that you need to, quote unquote, stay safe. You start to realize that all is well. Right. And that really the mind has created the abyss. That's one of my favorite quotes. And it's really the heart's job to cross it back to safety, security, and connection. And from this place, we're able to have all the things that we need. Right. We're designed to be productive and have relationships with other people and to be able to learn from our experience and to be flexible. Uh, but we need to learn how to get into these mind states to do so. So this is what I teach on a practical level. But one of the things that's so, so important about Define Gravity is it allows you to have alignment to what you want. So mindfulness allows us to enter this stillness within the mind, to observe the mind, to see all the ways that gravity is pushing us around, right? Your thoughts your feelings, your beliefs, right? My belief was originally it's not okay to be still, right? It's not okay to not be productive, right? We don't rest when we're tired. We rest when it's done. And, and it was never done because I was never perfect, right? And then I started to change my belief to God created me perfect. I am enough. I am whole and complete. I am safe and secure. You know, I just had a different perspective. Instead of taking my sense of worth from externals, right, like from my performance, I realized that if something was eternal, it remained so, right? If I was loved, I remained loved. If I was created whole, I remained whole. And I started to see that a lot of the problem was created in my mind. The mind created the veil or the separation. And I needed to do mind work to reconnect to the truth of who I was, in my case, in the God and the divine or in my soul. And so this is the type of work that's done. And I really see, and I really think the analogy is true here, that I see I see Elfie doing the same. I see her saying, look, external ways of seeking 
my val- my wholeness are no longer serving me, right? The system is no longer giving me that. In fact, sometimes the message that I'm getting is actually perpetuating the sense of anxiety or separation, right? The fact that the idea that I need to do more, be more, strive to be is actually creating from the mind the anxiety, right? It's putting me into that sympathetic state. I'm feeling anxious. I'm going, I'm sped up. A sympathetic state is very turned on, motivated to action. And so a lot of people who are in a sympathetic state a lot are very high producers, right? These are people who have straight A's, get into amazing schools, um, have anxiety disorders, generally going along with that, but they are really high performers. And so we celebrate that in society, right? We celebrate their success. And I think we, I will like to celebrate all successes. So I don't think that's wrong. But I don't, what I don't, what, what I wonder is if we could look a little deeper and say, which I often do, are you happy? Do you have peace in your life? Do you know your worth or are you seeking it still? I have been that girl. If you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know, knocked it out of the bark in high school, had the grades I wanted to, got into the college I wanted to, got all the scholarship money I wanted to, got, you know, got the master's degree. I I did the things on my mental list, not to give you my resume because I don't care. It matters zero. But I did the things I wanted to do. And I can tell you it did not bring me joy. It did not bring me peace, which I believe is the greatest gift that we can receive. What brought me peace was, was quieting my mind, stopping the dialogue of you're not enough, noticing that it was never of me, right? That it came from a place that was not of God for me, right? There were all these external voices or these experiences that I had in life that had shaped my autonomic nervous system and saying, those are no longer me. Those will never be me. I choose to see things differently. And then going within and allowing the mind to be quiet and the heart to reteach, to reprogram, to reprogram my autonomic nervous system. And I can teach that too, right? So that I could show up in alignment with who I am in my soul, right? What really brings summer joy? Turns out it is not going 24-7. I really need, me personally, my soul really needs quiet, meditative time in nature particularly because I love earth. And that is a useful, productive time in my day, right? To just be out receiving, allowing, expanding, right? When you connect to this higher light or consciousness, it grows you exponentially. More would get done in those quiet meditative times where I was still and I was able to know God and let my mind see it differently than hours and hours of studying or performing. I found that I didn't have the same perspective on others. As I learned to love and accept my own light, I was able to love and accept the unique paths, journeys, light of others. I could see the light in myself and the light in them more brightly from this space. And so I started to see myself more as a spirit in a body than a body in a spirit my mind, I wasn't as identified, another way of looking at this, I wasn't as identified with my mind, but I was more identified with my heart, right? So we go on the journey from the head to the heart, 
we're all on that journey and it's the longest journey of your life (laughs) to get really heart centered, right? To let the heart and the soul lead out rather than letting the mind push you around. And the first step is to realize that you're not your mind. You're not that voice in your head. You're not that programming in your autonomic nervous system that constantly sets you off and disturbs your peace in certain situations. In fact, that's your first clue. What are the things that disturb your peace? What are the things that um, don't allow you to progress in the ways that you desire, right? What's getting in your way? Or how we say in psychology, what's dysfunctional now, right? Maybe those patterns were functional or I should say adaptive in the past. They helped you get through a difficult time, but they no longer function now. And now they're in your way. They're in the way of you standing in your truth. It's okay to let go of a belief from your past, right? I no longer think of it's, I'm going to stop when things are done. I just allow myself to be still and know what needs to be done. I actually go in the back door. I like to be still and know and do those things. And when those things are done and they're supported by God and universe, they're done. And a life is a much more beautiful playground from that space. So these are the things that I love to show and teach. This is the journey that I have been on. Um, This is counter society, right? This is counter Western culture in many ways. Eastern culture has taught mindfulness, meditation, surrender for thousands of years. But I think that, again, it's a journey for all of us. Even those cultures recognize the difficulty it is sometimes to get beyond that small self that's driven by fear and anxiety and, you know, past experience to the higher self, which is able to stand in this moment, receive from love and peace and recognize that you're not your thoughts, that you're not your biology, that you're not your past experience, that you can create new experience and have a new future, that you can literally reprogram your brain and up-level a whole new body and energy system, right? So this is this is what is taught. This is what I think uh, Elfie, in some level, gets at when she talks about defying gravity, right? I like to think about what it would be like to fly. I live in Issaquah right now, and we live by the Sammamish State Park, and there are eagles that fly overhead all the time here. And one of my favorite scriptures, I don't think I'm going to be able to look it up fast enough to end this podcast, is that we mount up on eagles' wings. Um, And I have a picture of an eagle flying over a a valley uh, in my office, or I did. Right now I'm kind of between offices. I'll see if I can find it right now. Here we go. I've got it now. Just ending on this. This is Isaiah 40. Isaiah is always kind of my go-to. But they that wait upon the Lord, or you can put in that presence, God, love, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with the wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and walk and not faint. I've often thought that that's that's the way of the inner path, right? That we would have that support, that we would be in alignment. And there is the energy for the things that are our unique path. The energy often falls flat for the things that aren't for you. So be aware where things just are not flowing, right? Where there's that resistance. Maybe accept that that resistance is your teacher 
and not resist it, but just become curious um, and understand what that's showing you, right? Maybe that's directing you like it did Elfie to your own unique path. And maybe don't be so resistant in the paths that other people are on and learning to hear and respect and love their journey and know that uh, they're being directed just as you are. And what is your unique path, because creation is that unique, is not the same as others. I like to think that there are, just like a lotus flower, this is taught in Buddhism, the thousand-petal lotus, right? There's a thousand paths, a million paths for each one of us. Each one of us has our own unique path, our own language with the divine, our own unique makeup that is just right for you. And it's such a sad thing when we don't allow ourselves to take the path less taken, which is our path, because it's your path. The only person that can take that path is you. And chances are there'll be some people on your path right that you'll intersect with that have a similar journey i call these my soul brothers and sisters that i run into and i recognize that that's kind of like god winking at me and showing me that i'm on my path right because i feel that sense of connection in my soul but it's enough it's enough to follow your own heart it's enough to stand in your own truth and that is spiritual maturity right getting to that place where we can learn to surrender to that and not have so many attachments to the outside. Um, that has been my freedom from gravity right there, to be able to have less and less attachments, like the child needing to be supported. There's a time, right, when we're black and white and we need the structure support, scaffolding of a system to or like help us along our path. And there's a time when growth and development moves into, I'm an adult now. I don't actually need so much that structure. Now I just need that support occasional mentorship and belief and trust in pointing me back to my own heart. So if you haven't had that type of support, take this podcast as that message to you. I support you in that path. I see you. Your heart really does know the way. And when you feel you need to rest, rest. When you feel that you need to produce and create, do that with God, right? Do that with source. When you feel like there's something that needs to be released, have the courage to let it go. And that's usually the hardest thing to do because we we struggle to let go of our familiar path, past. But as you do so, I promise you, it opens up new ways of being in your future. So thank you for listening to this podcast today. I hope you'll, I've got some really great people coming on and I thank you for this journey that we are all on together. And if you've listened this long, you're definitely on that journey and I'll talk to you again soon.